Hi, I'm Claudia and you're listening to The Brain and Brand Show, where you'll hear science and inspiration from guests like neuroscientist Dr. Tara Swart. Our instincts are powerful. If you have a child, have you thought about the fact that you never taught them to laugh or cry? Or have you considered how impossible it is to force yourself to be aroused by someone if you're not attracted to them? Or the evolutionary magic of how songs you haven't heard for years can make you emotional in the first few seconds of hearing it? We underestimate the role of instincts in our individual journeys. But I'll go even further to say we undermine the role it plays in building healthy relationships, especially with people who think differently. And if you hope to navigate this complex world of vastly different personalities, you need to understand your brain's instinctual profile. And that's what we're going to explore today. Three, two, one. Welcome back to the Brain and Brand Show. I'm Timothy Maurice, and today we're going to delve deep into your primitive basic instincts to explore the science of why we do what we do as humans and how understanding what our guest calls our instinct profiles. We're going to break down our five individual behavioral patterns and discuss how understanding these can help you build better relationships and navigate the world at a much higher level. Thanks so much to everyone for listening across the world. Do take a moment and leave a comment wherever you're listening. Let's welcome Dr. Bob Raleigh. Dr. Raleigh is the founder of PathSight Predictive Science and author of The Search for Why, a revolutionary new model for understanding others, improving communication and healing division. Bob, welcome to the Brain and Brand Show. Well, thank you very much. I've been looking forward to this. Bob, you believe in starting with why. Let's start with why you care so much about this work and why. Right. To me, that is um, more than just a question. As Google said, when they took survey of all the searches we've done in the last 12 months, the 6 billion searches, and they they deemed it the search for why. How, how coincidental is that? And And they said the search for why is more than a question. It's really searching for the root of something something so important that you can't fix it, you can't rejuvenate it, you can't reinvent it unless you know why. And so that was really captured my motivation for the two years it took to write the book. And and I'm pretty proud of that. You know, underneath what we do, underneath so much of who we are and what we become is instincts. Just from your work, at PathSight. Just explain what you mean when you say instincts. That's a a great question because instincts are really mislabeled a lot of times. There are instincts that that are simple cause and effect stimulus responses. Like if you go to the doctors and they cross your leg and you get a patellar instinct, it kicks normally, right? That's an instinct. What I'm talking about are things that are reflective instincts that influence what you do, but are not cause and effect. So for example, if we have an instinct for caring for children and protecting them, 
that's a very complex instinct, but it, it, if you have that, you are likely to intervene to keep children from being beaten or hurt. Well, that's complex and it doesn't define the actual behavior you're going to take, but it does define what is going to happen, what you're likely to do. So in our work, we've tried to link those instincts of our foundations with predictive profiles that let us know what you're likely to do if you have an instinct that you protect children or be fair or be loyal and those kinds of things. So basically what you want to do quickly is help people understand what their instinctual profiles are so that they can also understand what they're likely to do, what your teammates are likely to do, the people around you are likely to do. And you believe you can do that. Let's look at the five unique individual behavioral instinctual mm-hmm. patterns. Can you break those down mm-hmm. for us? Sure, I can. They they're really start with two foundational points of view. So if we just bifurcate, split in half, not really half, but split in two groups, the people or the, the instincts that are uh, foundational. So one of them, instinctual profile, that is is driven by the, the instincts of caring for people and being fair. Okay. So those folks are, they engender a lot of careness or empathy, care, care, kindness, justice, and the key attributes of concern for how the world is influencing people. Those are kind of a snapshot. And they also love finding new ways to do old things. So they're forward looking, trying to find new ways, new thoughts, trends, and things like that. Diversity and equality is really important. And they have an urge to resist the conformity of our culture. So you you get a really a good sense of how those people are going to react to the world, right? The other side in the bifurcation is a group that, that are kind of socially binding around the group, not the individual. No single individual is more important than the group. They pride themselves in doing things the, quote, right way. So they have esteem for traditions and trying to obey the protocols of the culture as opposed to resisting them. They ensure that they tend to have, however, kind of a muted sense of empathy. And empathy is really much more applied in a hierarchical sense, like a hierarchical of power where the leader has more power than the the other people. So they care more for people who are in the group than out of the group. So these kinds of differences from those kinds of attributions of fairness, for example, this group delivers fairness in a hierarchical way. So now you've got two groups that are candidly opposed to each other because their end goal is two different views of culture and and society. So one, if we were to think about this from the point of view of maybe a group that, like the military, they end up as a social binding point of view, they have duty, honor, are calling cards for that group. The other guy, the individualist, probably sees more like making a more perfect union. 
you can see those two things competing with each other and make us a dialogue or a negotiation for what include in that more perfect union or our code of honor, duty, and country. Let's talk quickly about how you go about establishing which instinctual profile you follow. So if you are listening, you don't have your book yet, they've ordered it, and it's going to take two weeks to get to Singapore (laughs) or wherever. Um, While they are waiting for their book, what can we do now to start understanding which instinctual profile we are? The way we do it, there's there are all sorts of psychometrics tests that we can use to give you a, a profile. But the good news is it's not really secret what what an individualist and what a social binder may look like. So those individualists, if you have a, a sense of, of really, do you, do, do you cry at a coffee commercial? <laughs> That's a pretty good <laughs> sense that you're individuous. If you're, if you're moved to, to protect somebody from injustice, that's a good sense you're uh, an individualist. If you like new trends and like discovering new things, you get bored by uh, the systematic approach to things. You're probably an individualist. On the other side, if you're somebody who really embraces a systemic approach to discipline, if if there is a, a right way and a wrong way to do things, typical way of learning, showing somebody the way to do things, giving them performance feedback, and then demanding them to do that. That would be a, a social binding way to do this. So these two points of view, if we wanted to be snarky a little bit about it, our social binding uh, matrix is really P and C matrix. Progressives on one side, conservatives on the other, politically correct is a way to think about those things. But once you discover you're a conservative or you're a progressive and you really want to understand and embrace the other side, mm-hmm. what are some tips and strategies we can do to connect to the other side and to engage the other side? It's a great Great question, because it's something we take very seriously, because so much of, of our uh, work today, everybody talks about the tribes and being stuck in these echo chambers where nobody disagrees with you. So we talk about an active process by which you can take charge if you really care about making relationships last. First of all, we talk about not coming to a a relationship with a preordained evaluation. So if somebody says something to you that you instantly want to react and tell them why they're wrong, a better chance to have a relationship is to say, how did you come by that? What is next? Mm. How do you think this plays out? What do you want to have happen? Two things happen. It disarms the other person's aggressive instincts because you're asking them something that's meaningful and we're asking them to reveal something that's meaningful. And what can we do? We can take that and build on that so that we're confident in our point of view. We don't need to make sure that they switch their point of view. But let's just find out how it happened. The other thing we really urge people to do is to start local. If you can start with a group that is trying to accomplish something that you value and you can 
participate in the local, you can overlook somebody's philosophical points of view because you want to get that job done. So in the same way that asking and inquiry about what they want, you can say, you know, I wouldn't vote for that person for dog catcher, but I want to work with him to get this school done. You know, the last thing is give yourself a break from social media. (laughs) Try to create some human time when you can ingest human point of view. Those things are paid dividends like you can't believe. My final question to you is, you know, there are a lot of people out there who are biologically wired. I mean, a big part of my interest in understanding the mechanisms of personality, understanding the mechanisms of why we do what we do, our instincts. So some of it is biological. It's not necessarily, as you know, nurturing. People are wired differently. And if I'm wired in a conservative or progressive space and I want to start re-engineering myself, you just gave us some really wonderful tips but if I find myself in a, in a team or in an environment where I need to sort of really change my bio, almost, and I don't think you can change your biological profile, but you can, as you mentioned, you can start seeing and engaging the world differently. What I want to know is that if you're frustrated with yourself, because you know better, and I'll give you an example. After I spoke at a conference once, this big, tall, military-looking uh, guy who had a mustache that turned up on the side. He walked <laughs> up to me. He walked up to me, and he was twisting his mustache. And he said to me, mm-hmm. I'm trapped. He says, my family have disowned me. My mother, my daughter, they don't speak to me because they see me as a relic of the past. They see me as stuck in an old way, an old way of seeing life. And then he started to tear up. He says, I want to change. I want to become a part. And I have a lot of empathy for those type of people, people who are stuck in a profile. If you're stuck, Mm -hmm. what advice would you have to that person? Well, there's a, a lot of advice, but the real belief is that you don't have to be stuck. So that's the good news. So we can say with definition, you don't have to be stuck. What I would suggest, there's two things. One, I would find somebody that I can have a a personal relationship with, whether it's a counselor or a very good friend that is not going to simply yes you to death and tell you why your relic point of view is still valid. But if you can do that and you can start to understand what goes in, is it authority? Do Do you have a deep commitment to the authority of just doing things one way and one way and only allowing people to do that? Are you instinctually likely demand the sanctity of the group as opposed to the individual? All these things are good starting points. We've come up with is, you know, in our work in terms of diversity and inclusion is the idea of understanding what's hard for you and how do we take and create simple acts of inclusion and start to practice those acts in a situation that will give you the safety to do that. And you'll find that those simple acts of inclusion, sharing your point of view, as opposed to demanding somebody else acquiesces on their point of view, doing things like that 
in small ways with your teammates, with your work, with your family. Those two things. One, it shows that you're committed to this relationship and you're not going to let it go. Same thing is it proves your humanity because we are sentient beings and we should not be accepting that we're on a, a linear path to some outcome that, that we can't control. That's, that's wrong. So that's what I would suggest. Dr. Bob Raleigh, thank you so much for joining us on the Brain and Brand Show. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you all for listening. And please share this episode with someone who would benefit from understanding their instinctual profiles. Until next time.